Hey everyone, welcome to the Two Scrums Up podcast. I'm Ken Medley, an Agile Process Leader here at Alley, and I am joined today by our Director of Agile Processes, the legend, John Ragazine. I'm only the legend because I am so old. But yes, we're here to talk about Scrum, Agile, and all the things that we do, um, telling some stories, giving some advice, and giving some observations, hopefully helping you understand or demystify Scrum a little bit more. Hey, John. So today I wanted to talk about, is Scrum too rigid? And I'll give you the backstory here. Uh, A a few months ago, a friend of mine uh, runs a small company and said, hey, would you mind swinging by? You know, I don't have money to pay you for consulting or anything like that, but, you know, I'll buy you a cheeseburger if you you can answer a couple questions for me. Of course, you know. Cool. Uh, Yeah. I'm always down for a cheeseburger. (laughs) Uh, So I swing by... um, and he says, you know, we're having a hard time kind of getting things out the door. Uh, I was like, all right, well, you know, t- tell me more. You know, we kind of dive into what's your backlog like? What's your prioritization look like? And all these kind of things. And um, I started to uncover some roadblocks there. And I said, you know, just out of curiosity, when was the last time you all pushed anything to production? He said it was a year and a half ago. Well, my mouth, yeah. yeah, like audio is not picking it up, but my mouth is like hanging down to the floor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 18 months between shipping any code at all, like not even like a fix or, or. Well, they what? would do work, but it was, it was never pushed to production. And I said, you know, well, tell me more. He's like, well, well, this week is, is, is a great example. Uh, so Monday morning we come in, we have a meeting with our stakeholders and they say, you know, Hey, today the focus is going to be on web security you know it's we've got to focus on this and so they're like okay great so they leave uh, that meeting on monday morning uh they grab their team of developers together and um they start talking about okay what could this look like and blah 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 and wednesday um comes around and wednesday they get pulled into another meeting and said okay now that we've addressed security we're going to shift from security over to you know whatever the new feature was mm-hmm. And uh, they were like, well, we haven't, we're just still architecting, kind of wrapping our minds around, you know, security over here. Um, They said, okay, well, you know, uh, just, you know, how's whatever code you got, you know, how, whatever progress you made, just kind of put it on the shelf for now and focus on this feature. Uh, Friday rolled around and then there was a a big company lunch uh, where I guess they showed a whole new initiative, right? Of like, hey, be ready to come in Monday morning and tackle this problem. So now we've gone a week and we've we've essentially addressed, in their mind, addressed three different topics and features, you know. Um, however, nothing got pushed. Uh, and so I said, well, hey, you know, have you, have you given any thought to uh, having like a definition of ready or a definition of done? Right. Uh, and, I, and I think Scrum could actually help you, help you all. And they said, well, man, Scrum is just way too rigid for us because see how agile we are? We change things every couple of days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so um I see what you're saying. Right. So and and I and and this comes up a lot too. And I know that when I first started learning about Scrum, I was kind of confused and I was like, okay, there are these these rules and stuff. So as a scrum master, am I like 
enforcing the rules and like keeping people in check and in line. And to a certain extent, you kind of have to do that. Um, in this scenario, what you needed to accomplish was like keeping in bounds, this sort of like wandering eye of the stakeholders where like, what are we working on and what are we finishing and what are we doing? And scrum is, can offer that cadence of like, okay, we're going to start on this stuff. This is what we're working on this week. We can have these conversations about like what we should work on in the future, but we have to be aware of what needs to get done to have this be like over the finish line. You know what I mean? And, and like, rather than being agile in like being able to respond to the market or to the situation or context, they were being, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for exactly? They were kind of having trouble like sticking to something, right? They weren't completing anything. Mm -hmm. They were starting a lot of stuff, but nothing was getting finished. You know, it's sort of like, you can't live in a house you only talk about building. You have to build it, and you have to build the foundation and the wall and all, all these pieces to it. You can't just, like, rush into, okay, now that we talked about that, cool. I'm going on vacation for, you know, a couple of days. I'll be back. Um, so right. so where did it net out with your friend? Uh, you know, they, they tried a, a handful of different processes. Um, you know, I, sh- I need to go back and, and follow up with – follow up with them and see, you know, where things landed. But, uh, you know, they said, you know, I think we're going to try try this other model, uh, and whatnot. And every time I, I go look at their, their release notes, I, I don't see anything yet. So who knows <laughs> where they're at. So, right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I should follow up with them and, and see, you know, um, see if maybe they're ready to give, to give scrum a shot. But one of the things that, that I've, I find interesting about scrum is it, I feel like there is an emphasis on getting work across the line. Versus, you know, it's, it's delivering value versus the appearance of value. You know, well, I have all these meetings. Well, we have all of these things that we do and charts and graphs and, you know, all of these things, right, for project management. It's like, yeah, but at the end of the day, like, what's the value that's going out the door? Right. Uh, that's one of the things I like about Scrum is we see the progression of work, you know, from maybe just a napkin sketch to a released feature. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when folks talk about like Scrum having all these rules that get in the way of of the process or their flow or whatever, they're focusing on the what of Scrum, but not uh, kind of tapping into the why of it, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, gosh, it's so hard because we have to spend all this time planning out a sprint, and that's all we're going to work on over the course of the week. And it's like, well, why do you, you know, why are you doing that? Like, why does Scrum have you do that? It's so that you can can you know, kind of know with a fair level of certainty what will be accomplished a week from now. And what will be accomplished right. is like a good definition of done is like stuff going out the door, like shipping to production, whether it's a small fix or a larger feature or a, a, a whatever, you know, it needs to be. Um, you're tracking that cadence. And at no point does Scrum say you can't change what you're working on to a certain extent. Um, but you have to have realistic boundaries around it. You know what I mean? Being like, yeah, oh, this is really important. Okay. We will bring that in and pull this out because it's more important now, you know, the focus on priority and stuff like that. So, um, I find that the why is what folks kind of like get, get stuck on a little bit at first, um, when you're thinking through all these things, but, uh, yeah, so often people are worried about, you know, am I doing Scrum right or am I doing Scrum wrong? Like, am I doing this incorrectly? Like, what does that really mean? And, mm-hmm. you know, and we talk about this a lot, I know, internally here at Alley, but, you know, Scrum just comes down to being aware of that 353 rule and working within those bounds and using a shared language to figure out how to get work done, you know, 
and out the door. Um, right. But what you said earlier, that whole like delivering value, that's super important because, you know, so often, you know, even inside of like a scrum organization, right, you know, you're talking about like, okay, the sprint's over, like, what did we do? And if your report back is like, we completed 50 story points and everyone's like, hooray, we completed 50 story points. Um, that's a metric and it's great to look at velocity and look at story points completed and figure out like how you're doing as a team and stuff. But if you're not sort of like cross-referencing that with what value did we deliver, what value did we deliver to the clients or the stakeholders or whomever, because um, mm-hmm. what's more impactful at the end of the year being like, you know, we completed, you know, 10,000 story points or like we launched this feature and people loved it for these reasons. And we launched this feature and that feature and we cut down on like load times or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that value is tough because, you know, folks are used to sort of like thinking that time is money. And when you don't have our estimates anymore on a task, you replace it with story right. points, story points are money. And so the more story points you get done, the like better it is. Like, and and it's, and it's, it's tough because it's easy to quantify progress that Mm -hmm. makes sense. And you know, like you say, it like can be charted and you can look at it visually as like a line that goes up or down. Um, but qualitatively, like, what are you accomplishing as a team? Yeah, I think that's the, at the end of the day, that's the most important metric. Like how did we improve people's lives? Like what features did we release? How did we, how do we, you know, make an impact in in the world, right? Versus like you said, well, I did, I did 30 story points this week. Okay, great. You know, did, that might be a great metric to, to hang on to and look at, you know, but if it's not delivering value, you know, if your end result isn't shippable, deliverable work out the door, um, you probably focusing on the wrong things there. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And it's it's a metric and one that you should know, but it shouldn't be looked at without uh, putting it in context of like the overall, you know, product vision that you have and how much closer have you, have you gotten. You know, one of the problems also thinking back to your your friend and their issue of not getting code out the door is that their definition of done, as you said, that was probably non-existent. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. often we'll make these, you know, people make these tickets or ask for these tasks and it's it's like, well, how do we know when we're done? And putting that in, in firm language uh, in the, in the, the ticket description, you know, the acceptance mm-hmm. criteria, I know we, we usually shorthand it to AC internally, the AC, I love sort of like the capping it off with, we know we're done when like these things have happened. It has to be like measurable, quantifiable things. Yeah. Yeah. We just write it in the ticket. Here's yeah. Oh yeah. Right there. Like plain for- yeah, human yeah. language, you know, and it comes into like, it really came into play, I think, for me a little bit when we were talking about um, team improvement tickets, Kaizen tickets, and sort of like folks like, you know, were tasked with, okay, how can we improve our team process or iterate and move forward and get more efficient, um, advance as a group of people working together? And so you'd get these ideas like, uh, we will be better at this, or we will do better at that, or whatever it is. And it's like, well, how do you... How do you like say we know we're done when we're better? Like better is like such a squishy kind of term, you know what I mean? Like you need to have sort of like bounds around it. Yeah, I think we we did something similar on our team. Like we said, hey, we're gonna swarm together more, you know. Uh for those 
listeners who aren't familiar with swarming, it's basically we have a, a ticket or a task that we need to get done, and the whole team will just rally around that and make sure you know it gets from, you know, gets to, to our state of done, right? Whatever that means for that particular ticket. Right. So we we said, you know, hey, we've had a lot of success with swarming. Let's just swarm more. Let's make that a part of our our daily habits or sprint habits. You know, let's just swarm more. Well, that's what we said. And then we we're like, okay, well, what's what's more specifically? Like if we do it, if we swarm for five minutes, does that mean that we've accomplished anything? You know, if we you know, yeah. like it was really vague, you know, so we, we had to break it down over time. We realized like, Hey, that's not specific enough for us. Uh, some teams might be able to just say, Hey, we're going to do this more or do this thing less. And they can kind of gauge it internally. But I know for our team, we needed that specific, like what does swarm more actually mean? You know, so we're in sprint planning, we identify tickets now like, hey, this ticket here, this is a good candidate for us to all rally around for various reasons. Maybe we need help uh, from other people or if it's possible that, hey, this is an area that could become siloed if only one person works on it. So let's swarm on it. Let's get more people here. So we try to identify those now so that it's not just swarming more. It's, hey, we are going to swarm on this particular task, this sprint. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like another example is sort of like, uh, you know, better communication or more clear communication. It's like, okay, well, how can we, you know, quantify that? And so the idea might be communicate more um, or communicate more clearly. Uh, but the way that, you know, uh, our team tackled that was like, okay, so one method of communication about like how things are going, like where folks are going to spend their time is to do MITs, which is the most important tasks of the day. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so what I asked folks to do, what we came up with as a team was like, okay, every morning when we sign on to work, sign into Slack, um, I we're going to post the three things that we want to accomplish by the end of the day, the most important stuff that we have to work on. Um, now that can get shifted and changed if the day like makes something else more important, that that's fine. But uh, every day folks are going to do that. And every day at stand-up, which we have ours towards the end of my East Coast workday, um, we're going to review them and see how we did with the whole team. And that was – those are the two things that we had to kind of check off to make that happen. And, you know, I told the team, I was like, we can't say that this Kaizen is done unless we do all of this. So if we miss a day – that's fine if it happens, but we have, we're going to do this again next sprint probably. Um, yeah. and, and folks like not only like internalize this, but they kept asking to do it more right after like the experiment was over and we're like, yeah, that was good. Uh, folks wanted to keep doing specifically the MIT, uh, kind of like cadence of like posting what they're working on and the things that they want to achieve and like checking back in on that at the end of the day. Um, it became like a, a real habit for us, which was pretty cool to see. But yeah, that all came from like, taking this vague idea, like this vague, really good idea of communicate more and just putting some boundaries around it so that we know that what we need to do to accomplish it. Right. You said a word there that like really made me think about, you know, something that I learned a few years ago from uh, someone named Rich Sheridan as uh, author of a book called Joy Inc. Um, and one of the things that, that talks a lot about there is experimenting. You know, you said, hey, we, we're going to experiment with this thing. And I think when we think about Scrum being too rigid, like there's a lot of room inside of Scrum for experiments still. Um, they may go good. They may go bad. But that's why we retro, right, to bring clarity to 
to how how are we doing? That's why we have Kaizen tickets that were said, hey, we've identified this thing. We want to learn and grow, and maybe we're just going to experiment with it and see what happens, right? So I, I think the, when we talk about Scrum being too rigid, it's it's like yeah, there's guardrails, but there's still a lot of things that we can do inside inside the yard, you know? Kind right? Of, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a huge spectrum of things, and uh, yeah, Rich Sheridan, the uh, the Menlo. Guy? Yeah, Is he that... works. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Out it. Yeah, yeah. I saw Michigan. Yeah, yeah. I saw him do a keynote, and some of the stuff that they experimented with was like kind of amazing. You know, I remember uh, they had an issue where um, they had an issue where someone was coming back to work after having a baby, um, but the childcare fell through. Um, in some way, and they didn't know what to do. And this is like a whatever two month old baby or something like that. And so you know, they talked about it as an issue, and <laughs> uh, Rich Sheridan was like, "Okay, here's the experiment. Bring the baby in and see how it goes." And like, not only right. did it go well, and you would think it'd be like disastrous because also they have an open work environment and whatnot. Not only did it go well, but like now they're on like thirty or thirty five kids that have done this, like bringing babies in, and. Uh, the, the funny thing for me was that they said clients were more well-behaved and maybe a tougher meeting if there was a baby present. So like, right. you know, ancillary benefit, but yeah, it's sort of like, we've tried things as, as a team. We've experimented as a team and things that just didn't like, didn't work out. You know, we, we completed all the AC, you know what I mean? We, we completed all mm-hmm. like the, this is how we know we're done. So now let's reflect on it in our, you know, weekly retro. Uh, but it, it proved not to be valuable or not to have the effect that we thought. Um, and so, you know, as long as you have, like I said, those, and you said like those boundaries, those scrum guidelines of like, okay, so we're going to have these things and we're going to work on them in a, you know, a body of work called a sprint and we're going to see how they go. And we're going to reflect on it at the end, you know, beyond that you have like, like the world basically to, to, to work on at that point. Um, yeah. It's sort of like, think of scrum as like, I'm going to cook food there's a lot of stuff that can come out of cooking food or like <laughs> I'm going to write yeah. a song like there, that's a, an amazing amount of depth that you can get for, through that. Right. You know, and it's still really simplifying it to a certain extent, but it's, it's still the case. It's like you learn those rules once that you can know how to operate within them, how to finesse your way through it rather than like what you can't do. It's sort mm-hmm. of like a, you can do almost anything, just apply these, like this, this lens to it. Right. Yeah. I think it goes for, you know, anything in your process, you know, how, how you guys accomplish work on your team. Uh, it's funny. I I got to visit Menlo innovations a few years ago and I went up there to their office in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I I remember walking in and the, the first, you know, I was greeted by human beings, but I was also greeted by dogs. You know, (laughs) they just had dogs in their office, which, you know, isn't, isn't terribly uncommon, you know, but it's, it was just sort of jarring at first, you know, you're like, Oh, there's dogs here. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. We and they they told me right away, like, yeah, we had an experiment where we just said, hey, let's bring the dogs into the office. Uh, and I said, well, you know, tell me more about that. And they're like, oh well, you know, dogs need to go outside, uh, and where they work actually doesn't have any windows in the basement of this like old building. Uh, it's a really cool environment. But they're like, so to help us get up and get out more because we don't want to just be solely focused on computers screens all day long. Like, get up, go for a walk. And people don't always do that. So, hey, if we have dogs around, like maybe you get up and take your dog for a walk. <laughs> you right? kind of so have to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like what a cool, like out of the box way of thinking, right? Um, who doesn't love puppies, right? You know? Yeah. 
as long as there's the the scrum like fence, right? There's a whole world inside of that fence that we can we can deal with. And so I think when I hear folks talk about, well, scrum is just too rigid. I feel like ah, uh, uh, they probably just don't have a good understanding of what scrum is. John, you mentioned the three five three. Can you remind remind us what what is the three five three in scrum? Yeah, most definitely. So um, it's sort of like this foundational uh, framework of scrum. So three would be three roles of what makes up a scrum team. Um, and these could be overlapping, um, but you have a product owner, a PO, a scrum master, an SM, and then the development team or dev team. Although I've started thinking about that as a product team instead, because our teams here at Alley, for example, aren't just made up of developers. We have designers, we have UX folks, we have, uh, you know, editorial folks and stuff. So sure, people get caught up on the semantics sometimes. Um, but so that's the three, the first three, the five, uh, what you're talking about there is the five rituals that you see that you work through. Um, you have your sprint planning at the start of the sprint. Um, you'll go ahead and do backlog refinement like all the time uh, to make sure that your backlog is prioritized and fleshed out properly and everyone knows kind of what's going on. You have your daily stand-up, which is your checking in daily to see how things are going overall. Um, you have your uh, demo. Um, so you're producing like the work that you're outputting from the sprint and then the retro where you talk about like, okay, what went well this sprint? What didn't go well? What should we do more of? What should we avoid in the future? Sort of like celebrating your successes and also sort of like trying to get ahead of the, the common blockers that you have. Um, beyond that, the last three is you have, uh, your outcomes, right? So the stuff that you get out of the, the sprint. Um, and this is where I think this ties back into the story you started us off with today, where you have a product backlog. So you have all the things that you might do for your product or your client or, or whomever it is, uh, the sprint backlog, which gets pulled in that you're going to do that work that's defined every week saying like, this is the work we're agreeing that we're going to accomplish this week. So we're going to get there. And then the actual product, the outcome, you know what I mean? Like the, what did you produce? What, uh, continuous development? Like, what did you ship that is like finished and usable, whether it's code or a product or like a car or whatever it is, because folks use Scrum for all kinds of things. Um, that's the last three. And so that's where I think like the gap was a little bit was like, they weren't producing anything, you know, they, they were getting started, you know what I mean? Uh, and they might've been like talking to each other for 15 minutes every day, but like that was kind of it. Um, and so that's kind of where those gaps, gaps occurred. So another sticking point that I saw uh, when we started adopting Scrum across the entire company and is still a sticking point for a lot of people um, is this idea of story pointing. And so um, at face value, it's pretty straightforward. You're making tasks not be time estimated, but rather like a number estimated. And that number, we use the Fibonacci sequence. So talking about like pointed a one, a two, a three, a five, and and it's like um, kind of like laid out like that. But what folks get hung up about is, well, what's a th- like? What's a three? Like, what do I do as a three? Like, what does a three entail? Yeah. What's the math? What's the algebra I have to plug in to get my three? And really, it's like it's less about knowing what that three is, uh, kind of like unto itself, and more about having the team all agree what a three represents. Like, even well, She's talking about like. Reference stories. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, you know, um, you take an example of like two separate scrum teams and they give they're given the same task. 
you know, one team might be like, oh, that's like a three. We've like pointed it. We talked about it. It's definitely a three. The other team might be like, well, that's a five based upon our prior experience, things like that. And it will probably take the same amount of time for those teams to complete it, but they have a different idea of what a three and a five are. They're relative to their agreed upon norms and their agreed upon experience as a team. And like right. when numbers <laughs> start not relating to like the outcomes or like, again, the time is money, folks can get very nervous about that. Um, mm-hmm. And want to instead be like, well, we have to have a example of what an eight, a five, a three, a one, a 13 is like, we need to have all these things so that we can always know what a three and a five are and stuff. And it just doesn't need to, the ambiguity of it, uh, is interesting because it's not as if they don't, it's meaningless. It's more so just representative of what folks can get done over the course of a work week. It doesn't measure it in time about like, what can you get done in like, you know, five, eight hour days necessarily. It's like, what work can we know we can get accomplished by the end of this sprint, which is like in our case, one week. Um, and it's based upon experience, which can be like super powerful once you get to it. Right. So, I, let's say I get a ticket that I'm looking at and you've asked me to point. I'm going to look at it based on time. Yes. Well, how long do I think it might take me? But I'm also going to look at risk involved. Is there anything that I work on this? Am I going to break something else? Any uncertainty? Like, hey, I have a few questions I still need to answer around this, but it won't slow me down from being able to work on. Um you know, level of effort, like, like I mentioned, you know, so th- there's a couple things that go into that formula there. Um, I have worked with organizations in the past where we only estimated in hours and I saw some, some, of course that, that helps, you know, with timelines and that kind of thing, especially if, you know, if you're paying by the hour, those kind of things, you know, it really helps. Right. However, I think there's one big flaw in that, which scrum addresses by using story points in a normal work week, uh, Let's just, you know, I know some folks work more than 40, some less, but let's just take 40 hours, for example. If we just say, hey, we're going to work 40 hours, what did we get done in those 40 hours? I don't know. 40 is, is the max, right? I can look at how many tickets we did, how many hours I tracked to those particular tasks and tickets. But if we tweak something in our process, you know, if we say, we're going to do this thing. We've talked about this thing in our retro. We think it's going to help us move more, better, faster. And we tweak that. I'm still just at 40 hours. How do I know that I've accelerated or, you know, decelerated, you know, gone, gone the other direction, had the, the negative impact story points allow us to do that. You know, they could say, you know, it gives us actually something to measure other than just time. Because if, if we're paying by the hour and it's 40 hours, that's it. That's your metric. Yeah, like it'll it'll be a constant. You know what I mean? It's like okay, we have a team of five, and everyone's working forty hours. That's two hundred hours. How much work did you complete this week? Two hundred hours. How much work did you complete next week? Two hundred hours. You can't tell what's going on. Yeah. How do you know if when you, you break it down, like you increased say, increased yeah. velocity or not? Right. Exactly. When you break it down to story points, like how many story points you're going to accomplish this week? We think we can do fifty, and then you do fifty-five. It's like oh we got a little bit better. Um, and then over time you can see how that rises and falls and it's going to vary. You know what I mean? Like if you're thinking that you're going to get about 50 done and you get 48 done, um, it's not the end of the world. (laughs) You know, uh, there are things that happen and things that occur. And so at least then you kind of have like a different way of looking at it and, you know, can kind of better predict the future. But yeah, people get definitely wigged out by like how to, 
do story pointing like right or correctly or mathematically. Yeah. And I think it goes back to like what we were talking about earlier. It's about delivering value. You know, do you want to, do you want me to deliver an invoice that says 200 hours or do you want me to deliver work? You know, do you want me to deliver value? Uh, And so I think when, when we're using story points, it helps us get to value. Um, Versus, you know, if we only focus on that metric of hours, of course, my, my friends that are accountants will, will say, no, 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 you got to track the hours. And, and of course we do, but you know, we, I think story pointing shifts, shifts it to value, not just hours. Yeah, no, most definitely. Most definitely. All right. That's our show for today. I want to thank Ken for joining me and talking about scrum stuff. Thanks, Ken. You bet. And uh, we work at Alley.co, a distributed web agency that wants to help you achieve your scrum and project dreams. So if you think we can give you a hand, visit us at Alley.co and reach out, say hi. We like it when you say hi. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah.